welcome to our fifth episode of Spainer and Riggs. We're excited. We've got a good action pack. Talk, lots of great discussion here on the podcast. We're going to talk about, I had a great interview with uh, Chris Logan, head coach at UND's women's soccer program. England guy, of course. We've got good talk about ND sports. Basketball's heated up. We've got a lot of region play, both at the Class A level and the Class B. Spainer's going to dive in a lot more as we go all over the state. And then, of course, we're going to talk some GOAT talk, pitchers. Who we got for the GOAT, who we got for pitchers, what your thoughts are. I think this might be a little bit more wide open. And here we are with episode number five. Here we go. Our good buddy here, Spainer, had a good conversation with Rick Becker this week. Uh, tell us a little about, about what you talked about and kind of what, what, what you're excited about talking to him. You know, I th- it was an interesting interview. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask him some, you know, some kind of some political stuff, but really how it affects high school sports and, mm-hmm. you know, North Dakota sports, a North Dakota perspective, I guess, on sports. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I want to know a little bit about a person, how competitive they are. And mm-hmm. so we got to know, you know, he's a UND guy. His wife's a gopher, you know, yeah. fighting Sioux versus gopher hockey. Is that is that the best rivalry in hockey? Uh, it's starting to get there. It is. I mean, it's uh, it's rivalry renewed. Although there's nobody even close, but it has changed the hockey landscape with Penn State moving on. But uh, it's still. I mean, they they got it's still talked about all the time. In our region, it, it is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. The, the game we wait for, right? Absolutely. So uh, you know, was I really uh, he lit up when he was talking about that? I mm-hmm. liked uh, listening to that. But speaking of UND. We had the opportunity to sit down with UND Fighting Hawks, Chris Logan, Division I soccer coach. And here it is. Hey, we're here with Chris Logan, head women's soccer coach of the UND Fighting Hawks. How's it going, Chris? It's going very well. Thanks. Glad to be on the show. It's uh, nice to see your pretty face after so long. It's been a while. (laughs) You know, uh, you and I, at some point, we're going to have to connect on that battle, uh, the little X-Golf battle, or uh, what's the top golf, right? I think that might that might have to happen, yeah. It's, it'll uh, be who embarrasses them in themselves the least, most likely. So it uh, should be a good time, though. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Is uh, I'm definitely going to embarrass myself, but uh, that's okay. Um, so... For those that don't know out here, you are a scum Liverpool fan, right? Is that right? Liverpool? <laughs> uh, the, the team that's uh, currently chasing all four trophies that they uh, they were entered into for this year. Yep. Already won a trophy the other week. Got three more still competing for. That team that uh, was world champions in the last couple of years as well. Yeah, that team right there. I, li- I like it. I like it. You, you, I'm a Spurs fan for those don't know. So, yeah, I'm going to take the... The, the beating tonight, but so uh, I, I have a question I wanted to ask uh, a Liverpool fan. Winning the Champions League and then winning the Premier League, which Premier one League. felt better? Premier League. So explain that to like, an, an American, because an American would see you, <laughs> you play the Premier League and then you go to the Champions League as playoffs, you know, and then you're the champion of basically the world. But uh, why is the Premier League like Mecca, the biggest deal for in winning in soccer, football? So I think that for, for Liverpool fans, it was because 
<clears throat> way back in, in the 80s, almost prior to my time supporting Liverpool. Liverpool used to win the, that trophy a lot. And then it was about third. There was a 30 year gap when Liverpool never won that trophy. So the desperation to win the Premier League trophy just built and built, especially as Man United, who are our main rivals, overtook us with the most championships um, for the EPL. So I would say for a lot of clubs like in Manchester City, uh, the Champions League is the big deal. That's what they want to win. But for Liverpool and Liverpool fans, we were starved of that one trophy that we were craving for so long. It just became such a huge deal when we won it. So I think it's really, for Liverpool fans, that's the trophy that, that's been our holy grail for so long. But for a lot of other teams, like a Man City, who've won the EPL, but have never won the Champions League, the Champions League is more uh, lucrative to them right now. So it's just really down to the club and what they... Uh, um, what kind of quenches their thirst in terms of what they're looking for and uh, regarding what trophy they want to win. So that's why as a Liverpool fan, after, you know, I'd been, of that, that 30 years, I'd been a Liverpool fan for 28 years. I'd seen us win the Champions League a couple of times. I'd seen us win all these other trophies, but I'd never seen us win the Premier League. So when COVID happened and everything got shut down, there was all these concerns that they were just going to cancel the league. And Liverpool literally needed one more point to win the league. And there's the, there's the part of you, obviously, there's a pandemic, it's a pandemic going on and there's, there's a lot of safety concerns. But then there's the little selfish side of you. It's like, man, it's only one more point. Like, come on, are we going to get the league done? And luckily, they, they managed to find the safe ways to start the league back up and we were eventually champions. So thankfully, I've got to see my lifetime Liverpool win an EPL championship. Well, that's good. Well, we'll switch some gears to, to college soccer. You're, you're at UND, women's coach. Um, you know, with, with the way that so soccer here in the U.S. has changed landscaping, specifically with recruiting, you see numbers in youth become more and more so that you have a lot more options. You know, identify the type of girls that you're looking for for your team. I mean, it's it's tough. You're looking for, you know, certain position. But, you know, what what's the makeup for, you know, a soccer player that you want to recruit at UND? Sure. And I think that there's the certain... Um, behavioral traits so to speak cognitive traits that we look at the certain physical traits and then the certain technical traits so i would certainly say from the behavioral cognitive standpoint you know for me somebody who looks like they have passion for the game that loves playing the game of soccer and the way that they their body language is and the way that they um they compete on the um during a game and their desire and their drive to compete i think that those things um you know tenacity some tenacity and um i I'd certainly I'd, i never say die attitude that you can you know those things are very palpable for a college coach to see from the sideline i think that somebody who's a true competitor and has that drive is certainly something that we, we look for um i think from a physicality standpoint you know somebody who most certainly has the um the speed um the power um, the strength and the endurance to play at the division one level, because it is very physical. It is very fast. Um, you know, and, and uh, Jason knows that from his days, um, you know, coaching um, minor, the NCAA soccer is very, it's very physical. It's very tough. It's very strong. So you've certainly got to have that um, not just competitive edge, but that physicality in your game and the, the ability to keep up the speed of the game. Then I'd say from a, a technical standpoint, just what qualities could you bring to, um, a Division One um, soccer program. Is it you're a really good dribbler on the ball? 
Uh, are you really good at finishing in front of the net? Um, you, if you're a defender, are you really good at, at 1v1 defending, winning head balls? If you're a goalkeeper, are you a really good shot stopper? Are you good at dealing with high balls? So what special attributes within your position would you be able to bring to um, to the level? So I think that those are the three things is you always look at the behavioral um, aspect. You always look at the physicality aspect and then you look at the technical aspects as well. Well, good. And then now to kind of follow up on that, especially here in the state of North Dakota, you know, we're coached lots of sports here, especially soccer. And I'm a, you know, hockey coach. Um, We're, and be honest too, like where's the level of of high school soccer in terms of talent? Because now you think about UND, NDSU, Minot State, and maybe Mary as the NCAA schools. But is there, is there a certain number? Is a talent pool not big enough yet or needs to be bigger? I mean, what are the options in terms of high school recruiting? Is there a number of girls that are worthy of being recruited at UND and, or whatnot? Or do youth programs have to do a better job of, of uh, bringing up those, those kids to the next level? So I think that one of the things is just um, from a population standpoint, there's not as many people playing soccer as maybe if you go out to Southern California. You know, there's just not as many people playing. And I think some of the opportunities are limited a little bit more, especially with the weather. Soccer is not, you're not able to be outside playing soccer as much year round. So I think that does certainly hinder some development. Um, I will say, though, you know, going to the high school state tournament uh, this past summer, you know, there were definitely some good players there that we kind of, um, you know, especially some younger players that we started to put on our radar, which was really awesome to see that there was definitely some talent in the state that were like, oh, we need to maybe keep an eye on that person and that person and check in on their development in future years as they as they grow older. And, you know, something I'm super excited about because we can definitely talk about this person is, you know, we have um, – uh, from the Bismarck area, we have somebody coming in this fall. fall. Her name's Risi Varacek, and um, she's a really talented player from in-state that we're super pumped to have playing at the Division One level, and we have some hopes that Risi's going to come in and do some great things. So there definitely is, um, you know, there definitely is some talent in the state that is is on our radar and there has been even within the 2022 recruiting classes to say we got Reese. there was a couple of other people that were kind of on our radar but sometimes through timing and just what you need in your program maybe positionally it just doesn't isn't necessarily what you need but there's definitely um you know there was definitely some people who were turning some heads at the state high school tournament last summer so I'd like your thoughts on the transfer portal, and that's obviously a hot topic right now. And uh, one thing I noticed, and I, you know, and you, I was a Division One coach like you, you, you know, you, you can't put a player in that's going to hurt you. So, like, your subs have to be fairly big time. Would you agree with that? So, I thought I thought it it was just interesting. Is you know, we would lead up you know, in the Horizon League, which is a one-bid league. So you're, you're, you're non-conference. You're trying to develop everyone as much as you can, and you get in the league, and then you got to start winning winning games. I found it interesting that, like, you know, freshmen were frustrated that their minutes would shrink in the league. And, you know, I mean, how does that, when you're thinking about developing players and keeping players and you got transfer portal and you got freshmen that you know are going to be really good a year from now when they get, you know, a year of strength coaching and whatnot, but you want to keep them in your program. How do you balance it? And what are your thoughts on the, the transfer portal? Sure. Yeah, I think it's been very interesting um, with how 
it in some ways and definitely in sports other than soccer it seems like a free-for-all where people can go into a program for one year and really excel and decide to move on to a higher level or you know if it's a younger player who isn't necessarily getting the time that they expected and all of a sudden they feel as though they need to go somewhere else to pursue some playing time instead of seeing if they can actually be developed maybe in the spring after the fall season so um you know it's been an interesting one for us to navigate we haven't um, delve too much into the portal ourselves uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we've been very fortunate that um, pretty much our whole team has all decided to stay after each year. Um, really, the only people that have looked to, to go into the portal have been people that have been wanting to spend their COVID year playing somewhere else um, after they've graduated. So we've been pretty fortunate with a retention standpoint. And because we've been good of our retention and our recruiting has generally been pretty good, you know, we haven't really had to delve dive into the transfer portal too much to bring people in so we're probably a little bit less experienced than that and I think there's some positives in terms it means that our girls seem happy and optimistic about the future um, and also it just means that maybe our recruitment our freshman has has gone fairly well so we're, we're probably a little bit um, less involved with the transfer portal than a lot of other people um and I think for good reasons. And, and we've been very fortunate this past year where we had, we had 11 freshmen come in and they were an extremely, extremely talented team. You know, they're young, they're freshmen, playing against a lot of teams that have COVID seniors who are 22, 23 years old who know how to get it done. And we've got a bunch of 18-year-olds running around after them. But, um, you know, it, it we felt as though they were a very strong group that would, once they get that experience and in the spring we begin to develop them, um, they've got a very bright future. So we've had a little bit of a different experience with our younger players in terms of playing time, experience in big games um, recently, which I think has helped us kind of retain them and not lose them to the portal. So you had like an eight or nine game win jump in your first year at UND. And you've, 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 you've basically maintained that to a, like, you know, a, a winning record, double digit victories while you're there. How did you immediately make that that big jump? And were you coaching the previous coach's kids, you know, or were you? I mean, did you did you have a, a complete makeover that first season? And you know, uh, and how did you maintain it as you as you turned over the roster? Um, when I first came in, I, I think we just changed some of the things, um, maybe from a stylistic standpoint that made made sense of how I would like to play, uh, move some people into some positions that I thought would, would make sense for, for my structure. And um, really the thing that I was fortunate with is I arrived in the spring and we do all of our developing in the spring season. So I had a whole spring to work with the group on things that I wanted to change and move into the direction I saw how I wanted our team to play. So I was very fortunate that I inherited a group at the time that I had enough time to develop them and get them ready for the fall. And then by my second year, I managed to inject a young group that had a lot more athleticism, but I had a big group of seniors who also had been through two springs with me as well as a four that understood our principles of play. So it was kind of nice that we had some energy, but we had some experience as well. And that kind of helped with... Um, some consistency of attaining better results and you know we kind of rode that wave for a couple of years especially as by my third year we had a decent amount of upperclassmen that kind of had the experience of winning and kind of just knew how to how to grind out results 
Well, good. I got uh, just one interesting question. Of course, you can hear his very thick accent. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to go back uh, home with COVID and, and whatnot, but uh, what's the biggest thing you miss about uh, back in England? Is there something miss? Food or, you know, certain places you'd go? Or is there a big thing that you miss that uh, you've had a transition here in the U.S.? A doner kebab? <laughs> I mean, I mean, definitely the doner kebabs, fish and chip shops, for sure. You know, got to, got to miss that stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I really miss the potato chips over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're, they're fantastic. I, I can't explain it. The, uh, the tomato ketchup-flavored potato chips, fantastic. Oh. Uh, can't so beat them. Last one. Tell the world here, the world that all that revolves around Spanner and Riggs, that is, but... Tell us the f- coolest thing, maybe tradition or just maybe one instance, you know, that like a piece of you that, you know, that's a- off the soccer field, but like in your program, you know, uh, you know, maybe a lip sync battle on, a- on the bus or something with your girls, something. Just tell us something about you that maybe no one knows that, you know, they want to they, they want to hear about. Something about me that nobody knows. I mean, it's definitely not going to be anything, anything interesting, but something I did let slip to the girls because um, we had to reveal something about ourselves. And I said back in Scotland, where I'm, I'm originally from, um, I actually do own some land over there. So I'm a lord. Um, and when I told my team that the day <laughs> after I came in and there was a picture of me and underneath it said Lord Logan. So sometimes when, oh. <laughs> when they're feeling feisty, they call me Lord Logan. Um, so anytime I'm ever oh, called yeah. a Lord, cause I'm not watching anything like that at home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually have a little bit piece of land that, uh, that entitles me to become a look to, to be called a Lord of some land in Scotland. Oh, right on. That is pretty cool, man. <laughs> I didn't know that either. So that's interesting. Uh, Let's hook up one of these days. Uh, you know, just text me, and we'll we'll uh, we'll have that uh, that top golf battle. And uh, you know, maybe you can come back on, and the winner can give the other person some uh, trash talk or something to the whole world. Absolutely. I got my clubs in the other room. I'm getting down to the simulator tomorrow. I'm going to get practicing here. <laughs> I don't have a simulator, but I don't think enough practice would help me. So, uh, on one of my TikToks last night, I, 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 I did my swing with one of the girls, and she's just kind of looking. We'll at do me. one better. We'll fly there and go play at Royal St. Andrews. I'll do that. All right. That big link style course. There we go. All right, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Hey, thanks, guys. And here we are with the high school segment here at Spainer Riggs. Uh, big thank you to uh, Chris Logan. It was a great interview with him. Now we're talking about hoops. This is the heart of hoops turning time. We talked about West Region and East Region uh, basketball at the Class A level. And, of course, region tournament time right now as we're getting through the midst of some of these big games that are going in. We want to talk a little bit of Class A girls. It was a big weekend that we just had. I know you were able to follow along. Um, tell us a little bit about what you thought about uh, the Class A region tournaments. Of course, uh, the success of Mount High was a nice, exciting. But what are your thoughts, Class A region tournaments, and what you saw? Well, I was at WDA. I, I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, and Minot was able to take care of Bismarck to get to the championship. Centuries, you know, they're just under. They're just unstoppable. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I watched Minot. And uh, watching Lily Bell is pretty amazing. I mean, she's like ice water in her veins. They, they had a 14-point lead. It shrunk to two with under five minutes to go, and she hit three consecutive threes to roll that back up 
to an 11 point lead or whatnot. Um, I mean, they, the minor high future is, is very bright. For sure. If you're talking state, you know, there, you know, you got seven teams at state. I'm taking century versus the field. Oh, Logan boy. Nisley is, um, is just unstoppable. And, uh, you know, uh, she's six foot guard handles. She can shoot. For sure. Um, I, I, I take Sentry over the field. My gut feeling. You don't think any upsets coming from the East at all? I mean, is it just, you know, the West, you know, like Sentry over the field? Do you think, you know, what about Modern High? Does Modern High have a chance to, to yeah, make some run? I mean, make, get some excitement going here? I mean. Minor High is, uh, they're very good. You know, uh, they're led by two eighth graders. With Maggie Fricky and Lily Bell. Absolutely. You know, uh, I mean, and, and Fricky is like a, Wolverine or a badger on the, I mean, she's just, you know, she's unbelievable uh, effort and, you know. Uh, we get to watch those girls for the next But, you know, I mean, if you're asking me, I'm going to go with the, you know, the older teams in a state tournament. Okay. I, I, my prediction would be the the East goes three and one in round, uh, in round one and Century sweeps out the East in the, the oh, remainder boy. of the tournament. Um, that's my guess. Okay. But, you know, uh, the, the East has four really good teams you know, uh, that are probably up there at the Minot level. For sure. And, uh, you know, and Minot's just a, kind of a notch below century. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, that, that's, that's my, my feeling. I've seen a lot of teams play. Uh, I don't think anyone touches century. Okay. Well, that's good. We'll keep an eye on it. And I know that uh, we'll see how good you are with your predictions. Now let's go to Class A boys now. Again, you know, things have, uh, you know, again, kind of materialized to kind of a little bit of kind of feeling that, New minor high was kind of their their way on the in the west, um, but what were your thoughts on the class A side? I mean, Winchesky's got his boys rolling, and when when it, like they're historically when it gets ready to this crunch turning time, you know they get his gets his kids playing their best at the right side. But what were your thoughts I, on the class A? Side? I love you brought him up, okay, because okay, Pat McNally hired him, okay, and when he did. You know, the community was really upset and whatnot. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. You know, uh, but Pat McNally is a, I mean, he's a good sports guy. Absolutely. I mean, the guy yep. knows. Been around the, everywhere. I mean, yeah, and, and he knows stuff. all sports. I yep. mean, you know, uh, he's Which coached a ton of different sports. And uh, he made a good hire. Mina High has been dominant Absolutely. ever since he's got it rolling. Uh, watching them uh, at WDA, I thought they were the, they were the best coach team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought was interesting, uh, you know, you get Eric Wentz, who, who's a dagger yep. from the three-point range. Um, you know, uh, St. Mary's was all over him. Mm-hmm. And, and he just went down and, and just got fouled and got fouled and got fouled and got fouled and got fouled. And he was getting guys off balance and drawing and getting and ones and whatnot. Sure. Um, you know, you know that's a lot coaching. Uh, Eric Wentz, I think he's committed to McAllister next year. Okay. Um, Minot's just, I mean, they're a good team. Um, but East, you, 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 you got to tell the East is going to be strong, right? I mean, you think the East is going to, I mean, East. They're good. The East is good. Gonna tough. I mean, it's going to uh, be tough, isn't it? I, I, I think it's going to be similar to the girls. I think it's, the East is going to go three and one. Really? And I, I think that you could have a barn burner for a state championship. Oh, boy. You know, uh, I just, I, I'm afraid, I, I'm, I think Cheyenne. Is really, gonna, I'm, I think Cheyenne is going to uh, clip Minot and maybe and, and maybe get the upset for the state championship. Oh that that's my prediction. Uh, I think if Minot gets by Cheyenne, 
they could win. But okay. my, uh, I, I like, I like Cheyenne here down the stretch and how they played down the stretch. Oh boy. Um, you know, it can't be a West Homer or whatnot, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Well, like you said, it's going to be, especially now it's in Bismarck, so you're going to see, you know, light travel for Mount High as opposed to those teams coming out east. And in high school sports, I have a feeling in just my following of how that has worked in the past is that it has an effect on it. I mean, you talk about where championships are, the travel you have to get there, if you're able to stay in your home at a high school level as opposed to what we were dealing with with college athletes where hotels is the norm i mean especially here in north dakota where we had to travel forever so that'll be interesting to see how it goes it is it, it, it's a big factor for sure and i don't think people realize when those kids are in the hotels there's a lot of energy and it's hard to get kids to bed you know what i mean yep. on a normal Absolutely. hour so they're, they're, their sleep schedule is a little different but you know for basketball mm-hmm you know, fortunately, you kind of play later in the evenings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, but that first night, that you know, that first day, that first game's early. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. so I don't know. No, but. Travel coming back. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, interesting how that goes goes in. Now the granddaddy of them all, Class B. And I know we, we got a lot of followers that are from North Dakota that have a, a total grasp of what Class B is all about. But I know that the people outside of North Dakota, specifically in the North, have no idea how this phenomenon of of popularity is and you've been at the gyms and i've seen you've been able to follow along get all these interviews and stuff we'll talk a little bit class b here uh you know of course we're localized here in mina but we want to touch on some of the other regions um get your take on it as you know who's going to come who you think is going to come through and kind of maybe some predictions to come through or in, in in thoughts but region one what are your thoughts you know what are you thinking region one what do you think is going to be the team that's going to punch through to, to come to the b I think it's going to be Kindred. Okay. Um, and I got asked this question uh, uh, last night. Um, my my first thought is, okay, can Central Cass, now that Deutsch isn't wrestling anymore, mm-hmm. and he's a point guard, and he's really good, now, you know, he can eat the same, he's not worrying about the weights and all that stuff, you know, uh, can they can they carry Central Cass through? Uh, you got Olsen at Kindred. You got Hurlbert is the best player in the state for uh, for Enderlin. Enderlin is the one seed. Kendred uh, Kendred clipped them on last Monday by seven. Uh, they'd have been the number one seed if they'd have won by ten. Mm-hmm. Um, it just the three teams beat each other. I think uh, I think Kendred clips uh, Central Cast. You, you think there's a little motivation because of the girls? You know, you got like, <laughs> oh man, our girls just showed us up. But they're putting they're going to put their banner in the there, gym. There, you think there's a little bit to it and. And the, the entire kindred student body goes to the games. The entire student body. That's I mean, I, I don't think people realize that. I know on the TikTok, there's all these fans yelling at me or whatever. I go to the games. Mandan's got an amazing student section. Mm-hmm. You know, Grafton's got a good student section. Rugby and Botno, we talked about them. Amazing student section. Rugby, probably a close two or whatnot, but... Uh, St. Mary's good too, you know, mm-hmm. but Kindred, it's the whole student body. And I think you get in that game, it's Kindred versus, uh, Enderlin or Kindred versus yep. Central Cass, then Enderlin. I'm going Kindred. Okay. And, uh, you know, even though Enderlin's the one seed, uh, Olsen is super athletic and they, they, you know, they were able to hold Hurlburt down last game. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes okay. back, you know. Okay, we'll touch on a couple other ones. What about, uh, let's say, Region 2? What are your thoughts on Region 2 there? I mean, it's... You know, uh, I had Thompson winning that. Big upset. And they got upset. Yeah. I, I almost think 
you know, Grafton's going to try to ride the girls' wave yep. like Kindred, yep. but I'm going Hillsboro. Oh, boy. Well, my Andy Laris, good buddy of mine, big Hillsboro guy. So, Hillsboro, uh, I think they Hillsboro. They had a great, not a side note, they had a great restaurant that we used to always stop when we'd play NDSU pasta. It was outstanding, by the way, but not to get everything. But yeah, Hillsboro. Well, that's okay. good. Okay. What about some other ones? What about, let's say, Region 4? What do you think's in Region 4? I mean, well, I think Region 4. What is that? Uh, minute four wins in. Uh, four Ireland, wins, Ireland, yeah. Ireland. I'm going four wins out of Region uh, 4. And I'm taking four wins against the field at state. Oh boy, he's already burning his <laughs> burning his uh, you know area in terms of that. But four, four wins, wins are they, legit. They travel well. I mean, too, like when they come to the state, like it's crazy. I mean, you talk about uh, the kind of that home crowd feel, which is big. But uh, okay, now let's go closer where we're at. I mean, a lot more focus. I mean, certainly we get to see a lot more in terms of it. We'll go to Region Five. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts going into Region 5? It's going to be, you know, close, you know, travel up to North Dakota for the state tournament. But what are your thoughts on Region 5 and who you think is going to come out of there? It's interesting. You know, you get Wilton, Wilton Wing, and they survive a, survive a scare, an overtime yeah. scare overtime, with Standing yeah. Rock. And generally speaking, in history, and I'm going to go against history, oh boy. when a top seed, Tyus Edney against Mizzou in the, the, yep. round, the second round, and then they, UCLA rides that to the national championship. When they get that scare, mm -hmm. that usually puts everything away, and then they go take care of business the rest of the way. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Uh, but I like Shiloh. Oh, I like Shiloh. Shiloh, uh, they got to get through the troopers tonight. Mm -hmm. I think Go they'll blue. get through the troopers, oh and I think Shiloh will take care of uh, uh, Wilton. Okay. On uh, on Thursday night. Okay. That's that's my guess, uh, you know. And uh, you know, but I, I've seen a lot of teams. I like how well Coach Shiloh is. Okay. And then now we move to focus here in Region Six, and I, I, we certainly, if you follow on our TikToks, you know that Spanner's been hanging out at uh, the dome and ch checking it out and all that stuff. And of course, now we got a delay here, a little you know postponement from from games, and obviously this will be time. But what's your thoughts on Region 6? I mean, be big upset, Velvo or Surrey. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts? Who's going to come through now? Do you think the day has any effect on any of this stuff? I mean, you're probably still in your own jam. They didn't cancel school or anything. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that... Momentum's big. I do think it's going to change a little bit for Feller and Bishop, Bishop Ryan. Okay. He worked so hard yep. not having that day off between, you know, the semis and mm -hmm. the finals. I, 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 I'm, I'm wondering how that's going to affect him, uh, uh, Feller. The, the big game, I think, because I think Bishop Ryan's going to take care of business, the big game will be Velva and, and Rugby. Okay. Now, we talked last week, and I talked about the, the Mayo-Chadwick yep, matchup. For sure. Uh, this one, you got Foster-Chadwick. Okay. Now, this is a little different. Mayo was going to try to beat him up the whole game. Absolutely. You know, uh, but Foster, he can he can shoot from far away. He can go down low. He runs the court. He, I mean, you know, he's that guy can run all all four co corners of the court. Absolutely. That's going to be a bigger challenge for Chadwick, I think. Uh, you know, they split during the year. It's going to be tough. Uh, yesterday, I was I was feeling kind of Velva. They're you know they've kind of got this momentum rolling. Which historically hasn't been a basketball school. All of a sudden, <laughs> here they are. You know, like I you know, I think I think we're going to see a rugby Ryan oh, uh, rugby Ryan final, and I think uh, Ryan is going to stay. Oh, boy, Ryan told me they were on a mission. They've been on a mission. They were up sixteen to two last night. You know, uh, in the middle of the first quarter. I mean, they're just absolutely throttling teams right now i think it continues i think we go ryan into state uh and the interesting thing is 
they didn't have that great of a season. Mm-hmm. No, it seemed like it was. They're not. They you weren't hearing them talked about early on, and yeah, now all of a sudden it's like know, boom. So I don't think Ryan gets seated. Really? And they're on fire. Mm-hmm. If they make it to state, and this is an if, right? Yep. I mean, rugby, whatever, you know, but we talked this. Region 6 beat itself up all over, you know. Mm-hmm. If they get unseated and they're rolling in against Four Winds or their Kindred or Enderlin or whatever, I mean, you know, I. I I don't want to see Ryan if I'm one of the seeded teams. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to see one of the yeah. other ones. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, Ryan's like, they're throttling teams kind of like those East teams beat teams. So that'll, that'll be interesting. But I don't think, I just think they've taken too many losses throughout sure. the year. Um, I will say this, though, that uh, Hendrickson, and they're eliminated. They eliminated last night. Mm-hmm. I think he averaged like 37 points or something a game in the district. Oh, <laughs> the kid went out on fire. Yeah. Rugby had an absolutely amazing game plan against him, and I mean he and his he, he just yeah. could he didn't get it done. He got 20 points, 21 points I think last night, but uh, I mean he had to take 26 shots to get there for sure. And they, they were I mean they they would run at him and he and they'd run a second guy at him or whatnot and you know. And he's trying to pull up, and he's getting contested from a different angle that he wasn't yep. prepared for. Rugby had a masterful game plan against him, so okay, that's kind of what swung me with the rugby Velva. Okay. You know, they, the guy yeah. put together a pretty good game plan oh, against Hendrickson. Well, good. Well, so. I got one more question, and all right, and if anybody hasn't been paying attention, especially from our podcast, but the TikTok stuff has absolutely exploded. I mean, it's viral v- views, not only in terms of what we see, but also excitement from the crowds. You, know, you got the request to be on there and stuff like that, but. What, what 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 is it? What's the excitement? Is it just that you know the gyms are full and and they want to get on there and you got you know athletes and you got you know student section? But what, I mean, what's your thoughts on what's that the transition? Or maybe there just well, hasn't been a great. I'll give you my like what? my vision of yeah. what's going on. Yeah, I want to make the games fun for the kids again. Absolutely. I want kids to go to the games and have fun cheering games on. So and and uh, and I like to listen to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Last night, two girls gave me their predictions for a game that were completely opposite of what actually happened. But I like the fact that they, I mean, they ran down, they asked me to interview and whatnot, and they gave me this, and they thought about it, whatever. You know, it, yeah. was, it was interesting, and, and, and I listened to them. Mm-hmm. I listened to everything they say. They'll tell me stuff before we interview, you know, the camera and after the camera or whatnot. Or whatever, and yeah. I, like, I like talking to the kids, and I like listening to them. I think it's, uh, I think it's fun. After the game, I try to pick an interview with what I perceive as the hardest working kid. Not necessarily the best kid. It's hard working. The hardest working guy. I like to see kids that take charges, yep. dive for loose balls, you know, uh, that, that, that just, that, you know, they're that fill in the gaps kid that, that make it, you know, that, that, that missing ingredient. You were a coach. Yep. You know what I'm talking yep. about. Uh, you know, and then we come here. And, you know, and you're going to ask me questions of what I see. I watch the games. I, you know, I, you know, last week I, I thought the, the biggest matchup, and it ended up being the biggest matchup of the, of the region tournament. I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, um, but I love high school sports. Yeah. And, uh, and I, think there's, I think there's multiple layers to high school sports. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think the student section and the crowd is a big part of it. I think the players and what they're doing on the court, and not just who scores, mm-hmm. is a big part of it. I think we... In the last ten to twelve years, media has has gotten so efficient, or 
you know, uh, streamlined mm -hmm. that we don't tell the story of some of these things anymore. Which you know, is what it, people want. They're craving for that stuff. You know, and then it, you got coaches' interviews, but that's painful for a coach, and a coach mm -hmm. isn't going to, they're going to give you any information that they don't want out there. You ask mm -hmm. a coach something, you ever listen to a coach at halftime or a post game, they're just like, uh, and they answer, they give you absolutely zero information. So I'm trying to just tell a different story and, and make it fun. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think, the kids are really appreciative of it. Well, for sure. Well, we encourage everybody to check out our TikTok stuff and watch Spainer. He's always at the, the courts, and we're going to see a lot more. That's it for our high, our high school section here on Spainer and Riggs. We're talking the greatest of all time, baseball pitchers. And this one's like crazy all over the place. I mean, you know, early, early years, later years, oh. closers, you know, or whatnot. Yeah. So maybe we'll, we'll battle the best early pitchers. Okay. And then we'll battle the best modern starting pitchers. Then we'll battle the the best closer. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. yeah. And then maybe we'll change just kinda... the game because I mean, honestly, when did they start recording saves? It's been like whatever. like late, early eighties, yeah. late seventies. Goose Gossage, right, yeah. was the beginner, and yeah. so if we start there, you know, you've got Goose Gossage. Mm -hmm. You got Mariano Rivera, Dennis Eckersley. I mean, with the A's in there too as well. And he started out as a starting and, pitcher, right? And it's as crazy the stat guy that has the most saves is Trevor, or was for a while, is Trevor Hoffman, wasn't it? Like he yeah. was, yeah, he went for well, Milwaukee and uh, dude, I got a he, Trevor Hoffman story. Oh no, oh my that god, change up it. I freaking hate that guy. Big I'm a Dodger fan, thing. right? So he was like some ungodly number of mm -hmm. like 45 for 45 against the Dodgers or whatnot, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, you know me, I got baseball ticket every year. I watch every Dodger game. You know, I do my summer elliptical on the Dodgers while I'm watching yep. them and whatnot. So uh, we got to get to this guy, the, the eighth inning. I don't know who the setup guy is. We got to get to him because Hoffman's coming in. We've never, he has never blown a save against the Dodgers. So uh, I'm pissed off. We, we get like bases loaded or something and the guy strikes out and then so the, the, the sacrifice is gone. Boom. Oh boy. I was, I, so it gets to the ninth inning, you know, and it's late, you know, mm -hmm. the Pacific time. I was like, I'm done. I'm going to bed. I was oh. like, I was pouting, you know, just being yeah. a complete baby, you know. And, uh, uh, my wife stays up to watch the game. <laughs> she doesn't like baseball. But she stays up to watch the game. Yeah. I go to bed. No joke. The Dodgers, they were down three. They go back to back to back. On Hoffman, Crazy. and then uh, Nomar Garcia Parra hits a walk off in the tenth. Oh, jeez! <laughs> I went to bed, oh, and my goodness. wife she just watched it. She didn't wake me oh, up. Oh man! <laughs> Serves me right though. Crazy. She, she shouldn't have to wake Absolutely. me up. Absolutely. I I mean I think it's clear though when we're talking closers that Rivera's our yeah. he's our entry I hate, right. I couldn't stand him. You know I'm a Blue Jays fan, so I mean watching the Yankees and stuff. But he was his cutter was unbelievable. I mean he just watched like. Every one of his pitches, it would just move like an inch at the last second, just enough to be able to guy to hit a ground. Do you remember their there. first title? What was that? 90... I think they beat the Braves, right? And the Braves 96? smashed 96? them the first two games, and everyone was like, the Braves are going to win this, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, John Wetland right? was the MVP. Oh, former Expo. John Wetland yeah. was the MVP, and he was the closer, right, for the, uh, for the, for the Yankees. Yeah. Mariano Rivera came in in the seventh inning of all four of those games and pitched the seventh and eighth, seventh and eighth. 
And then he was so dominant, that's when they moved on. And then oh, they geez. went to Rivera. Like, he pitched eight innings in four games in a row. And they, they uh, it wasn't a sweep because they lost the first two. Sure. They swept out the last four of the Braves. And I mean, Rivera's, I mean, he's definitely the GOAT closer, right? Yeah, We agree absolutely. on that? Yep. So we got early years baseball. Okay. We have Satchel Paige, the greatest uh, yep. of all the Negro leagues, and he was, I mean, unbelievable. unbelievably dominant. Yeah, machine. And uh, it's sad. It's hard. And I almost, because when we I started going over this and thinking about his names and whatever, I almost nope. don't want to count Ruth as our goat from last week. Because mm-hmm. do you count anyone pre-integration? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you look Cy at it, Chris... Young, and you got, you know... Cy, Cy Young, Sandy and Colfax, and Christy he's... Matthewson are probably... Yeah. And Bob Feller, right? Yeah. Bob Feller's probably a distant third to those guys. Yeah. Christy Matthewson, 90 war. I mean, he won 31 games in 1905 with like a 1.69 ERA. That's so, did you like collect cards? You know, like the gum cards and like the stats all and stuff? I got all of them, man. Yeah, you did. Probably didn't you? <laughs> my favorite card is my 1983 Don Mattingly. AM radio <laughs> while listening to the games and didn't have for pre-TV. I have, uh, I have two of every Nolan Ryan. Oh my God! So I mean, like my hero, you know. Uh, but, but who would but, you like? Who do you, who do you got for? Matthewson's. Like, I, I I mean, Matthewson had the, like the the like a five year run that's like greater than anyone ever. But the the award's named after Cy Young. It's five hundred eleven wins. The it'll never be broken, right? I agree. So I mean, I feel, so we have Rivera and Cy Young. So we get yep. to the modern pitchers. Yep. And you got Koufax, mm-hmm. Ryan. Who, who else I mean, we got? I mean, Greg Maddox is really good for me. Randy Johnson. I mean, if he. He came later, right? Didn't he like develop later in terms of that? Bob stuff? Gibson. I mean, we got to mention Bob Gibson, yeah. right? You know, uh, he had the maybe the best yeah. modern single season ever, right? Yeah. Uh, what about steroids and uh, Roger Clemens and uh, all that stuff? Does that taint you? I mean, we're going to, I don't want to get off the, the track here, but does that taint you a little bit in terms of that? I mean, I mean, in fact, you know, here's the other thing too is like he, you know, he was with was Red Sox and then there was that three year stint with the Blue Jays that people completely don't forget they played there for three years and he was dominant. I don't even know if he won a Cy Young. Uh, I mean, that guy that's played everywhere, and he was dominant everywhere. You that's know. where he been, apparently was, you know, because he was kind of going downwards and back on the roids when he started with the Jays and stuff, too. But, I mean, talk about, like, you know, Greg Maddox, too. I mean, un- unbelievable he was as a pitcher and stuff like that. There's just so many so different choices, time. though, you know. But I love Maddox. He had that commercial, you know, uh, Girls Dig the Long Ball, you know. Yeah. <laughs> him, was it him and Glavin, you know? Oh, they were yeah. hitting each other with the bat, you know. Yeah. And they're going like this in the weight yeah. room, all lifting weights. But, uh, I mean, you got Pedro in there, you know, like, it's just, I mean, that, the, not for GOAT, but just... Kershaw, too. I mean, I mean, I mean Kershaw and Pedro are kind of similar. Gettner and stuff, I mean, and I'm a Roy Halladay guy, but of course he burned out. I mean, that no-hitter, perfect game he had in 09 with the Phillies after he'd been a dormant with the Blue Jays. And then, unfortunately, you know, you learn the backstory, and he had some very, very tough problems with drugs, you know, oxycodone and those type of things, and started to deteriorate at age, like, 32, which a lot, and he was a workhorse, you know, and that's the problem with baseball now. They get all worried about that, right? The pitch counts and you know all those type of things too. But what do you, who do you got? Who do you, who do you like? I like Koufax, okay. and I'm a Dodger guy. Yeah, but Koufax had the probably in the modern baseball a six year, yep. seven year run that's that no one can equal. Yeah, they just can't equal it. You know, uh, okay. you know, he didn't have the twenty years like yeah. Nolan Ryan or you know Steve Carlton and those guys that mm-hmm. played a million times. Steve Carlton one year won twenty seven games, and the Phillies only won fifty seven. Oh <laughs> twenty seven of fifty seven is ridiculous. But uh, you know, uh, I, I like Koufax, Southpaw. 
you know, uh, I, I just don't think he had four no-hitters yeah. in a short stretch. Ryan at the seven no-hitters. Ryan never won a Cy Young. I know. And everyone says this. He had 383 strikeouts in 73. But mm. Jim Palmer was unbelievable that year. You know, uh I, I, well, I think if you're going to be... I know who Jim Palmer is. I certainly have been. <laughs> dropping names, but yeah. But, you know, uh, I, I look at it like he was never even the best pitcher in a single year. Yeah. And it, I, it, yeah, I don't do it. You get the longevity over yeah, a long time. Sure. It's it's important. I, 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 you know, I just... I'm a Sandy Koufax guy. I think he's the GOAT. I think uh, I, I I really don't like want to count stuff before sports were integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I mean, none of Cy Young's records will ever be touched. But, I mean, it was a different game. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, he threw like every night. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, uh, it's just different. Um, I don't know. That's what I got. I, you know, you're a you're a Blue Jay guy yeah, there. <laughs> I know. You know, for me, uh, just because I'm, uh, of course, a, a prior to my birth in 83, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I follow baseball, but not as religiously as you did. But just for modern era, for me, it's Randy Johnson. I just absolutely just feared his, you know, the gas that he could throw with his left. And I feel like if he would have played or developed earlier, I guess he started actually with the Expos. I think it was that was originally where he started, I think it was, before he went to the Mariners. But then later, um, that was my guy, just dominant lefty in the recent times, and it was able to get it done with the Diamondbacks. Um, that's who mine is. But you know what? This is a debatable show, and we want to know exactly what your thoughts are. And this one, I think, is probably... You know, it's wide open. It is very wide open. I mean, eras. Play, We're probably going to get a lot of, uh, you know, you're an idiot comments on this oh, one. Oh, <laughs> I hope so. I honestly do. I mean, it is. I mean, you know, we could go on and on and on. I mean, he's talking about like, you know, staff and like what things would have happened if the, like the Expos would have not had the strike in 94. You know, Wetland wouldn't have been there. Would Mariano have been there early? The Yankees were the be- uh, best know? team in the AL, yeah, too. That's... Yeah, would, would he have been at that? If he would have been the closer earlier, would he been have that longevity? But I don't know. That year broke my heart. And as a Dodger fan, yeah. it's fine. But Donnie Baseball, yeah. I love Don Mattingly. It was my favorite card. I told you, 1983, yeah. his rookie year. Uh, I don't know. It's just uh, that, that, that strike year broke my heart. Oh, it, it's just hard when you're a baseball fan. But uh, Killed baseball in, in Montreal, that's for sure. So, I mean, if you're a Washington uh, Nationals fan, you're kind of glad it happened. Pedro Martinez. Yeah, unbelievable. You want to know something about Larry him? Larry Walker's on the team. He came up with the Dodgers. No way. Really? They I traded him for, like, Marquise Grissom. Oh, geez. This after his brother, Ramon Martinez, won the Cy Young for the Dodgers, Amazing. and they traded Pedro for Marquise Grissom. Wow. <laughs> Killing me, too. That team is loaded. I mean, like you said, you know, like John Wetland was in there. He had Larry Walker. I mean, Delano DeShields, who's like a hundred miles an hour sprinter in terms of that stuff. They were loaded at all all those positions. So they have uh, Andre Dawson too. Uh, yes, they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Tim Raines. Tim Raines was there too. So the Rock Raines. Oh, Rock Raines. I like so, him. I like. But him. yeah, let, let you us tell know. us. Let us know what you think, and we want to see your comments. Who's the greatest goat in MLB pitching? Thanks for tuning in to episode five at Spainer and Riggs, brought to you by the Dakota Network. Check us out on SpainerandRiggs.com. I look forward to seeing all you guys out there at the state tournament down in Bismarck, and I look forward to seeing teams, all you fans at the region uh, Class B championships this week. We'll see you.